Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. It sure is E3, is it not? Yep, Nadia, we are here to kill chaos. Oh, God, are we ever. No, <laughs> things are more chaotic than ever. What are you talking about? Yep, we're going to go through all of the major E3 announcements so far, including... Final Fantasy Stranger in Paradise, Elden Rings, the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters, and Starfield. And we'll also talk a little bit about our expectations for the Nintendo Direct that is happening on Tuesday. But before we get to that point, a little bit of housekeeping. If you enjoy the podcast, do me a favor. Please leave a review on the podcatcher of your choice. I am on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And of course, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. Also, Nadia, we are going to be kicking off the voting for our next Pantheon of the Blood God a little bit early. Okay. And we're going to be doing it slightly differently. Usually, it's been us who have been picking the four RPGs that the community has been voting on for the next Pantheon. This time, we're putting that on you. Everybody at the $10 level will be able will be eligible to submit a nomination for the next Pantheon of the Blood God and the games that get the most nominations, the four games that get the most nominations will be voted on by the community for the next Pantheon. So we are giving the community a voice in the selection of the next Pantheon of the Blood God. I'm excited and terrified to see what gets picked. That's democracy for you. <laughs> when are you going to learn that democracy doesn't work? But it does work in this case. That's why you should sign up at the $10 level and participate. Nadia, we got a podcast going up on Wednesday. It is our deep dive into the two towers as the Summer of the Rings continues. That was a really fun discussion. I really enjoy our Lord of the Rings deep dives. Looks like the Summer of the Rings is back on the menu, boys. <laughs> yes, we do indeed go over that line a little bit. All right, let's continue on to E3. We'll start out with the first really big announcement. Yes, Elden Rings was finally announced. Jeff <laughs> Keighley looked like he was about to burst into tears when he <laughs> announced it on stage. Holy cow. You had to give him like credit for that. Just like, oh, baby. He, he looked like people finally came to his birthday party. He looked so happy. It reminded me of when Krusty was saying, the moon landing. <laughs> the humans go to the moon again. And then a lot of other stuff happened. But tonight, Elden, Elden Ring. Ring. Finally. <laughs> At last. At last. And I gotta say, it's easily the most impressive thing that's been shown so far. I mean, there have been a lot of rumors about whether or not the development's been going well. It's been kind of off the radar ever since it was initially revealed. But they showed us the double jumping horse, Nadia, and I gotta say, I am into it. I think that was more than a double jump. That horse just went straight up a wall. Like, it was just insane. But, yeah, honestly, as someone who was not really one way, invested one way or the other, I think it looks pretty cool, actually. Are you going to play it? Sure. I mean, if it's any good, for all we know, it could still suck. But uh looks like it's uh, heading in the right direction. Nadia is going to play it, possibly. Possibly. No, I, I probably will. I mean, I like Souls games, I, even though I'm not really super invested in them, so... Have you ever played a Souls game? Yeah, I played the first one, and I enjoyed it. You know what the Elden Ring trailer kind of reminded me of, Nadia? Mm-hmm. It made me think of Twilight Princess. That's interesting. Like, the hype or just the tone, or both? Just the tone. Mm -hmm. Because I think that Elden Ring and Twilight Princess share something of a similar palette. Yeah, you, you're actually right about that. Um, it's funny, we were just talking about Lord of the Rings, and of course Twilight Princess was, like, entirely Lord of the Rings. I'm just impressed that Elden Ring didn't actually leak. I mean, we've, okay, we've had multiple Elden Ring leaks uh, to this point, but uh, given what happened with Starfield, I'm impressed that the full trailer didn't leak ahead of the actual show. How did that happen with Starfield? Like, it happened like 10 minutes beforehand. Could the leaker not wait the, the 10 minutes? WAPO published it too early. Whoops. They missed. They messed up uh, the the time zone or when ah. it was supposed to go live. But whatever happened, they pushed the the live button way too early, and it went up. And I feel really bad for the folks over at Wapo because you know that's super rough. It it, it does happen. Mistakes do happen unless Wapo just like said first and pressed the button. 
Getting back to Elden Rings really quickly, I think my main hope for it is that it ends up having some really sturdy RPG elements because Sekiro was just a full-on action game, whereas right. uh, like much more so than Dark Souls or Bloodborne ever were. Yeah, I didn't really get the impression one way or the other from the trailer whether we're looking at a more action-oriented versus Souls-based game. Like, Could you tell one way or the other? I don't know. I just saw a dude riding around on a horse slashing at things. The horse had horns, which I think was pretty cool. Everybody's obsessed with the uh, the pot that's wandering around through dungeons. Oh, yeah. And people were really big on that pot for some reason. It's yeah, cool. well, it was very it's cute. cute. It is I cute. Love, did you see the Zelda uh, fan art where it was just like the giant pot facing off against Link and it's like, haha, <laughs> I have gotten my revenge. <laughs> the tables have turned. No, I haven't seen that, but that sounds hilarious. I'm watching the trailer again, and it looks like some Souls-ass Souls. Yeah, which, I mean, Souls written by G.R. Martin, like, you could do worse. I guess so. I don't think George R.R. Martin is actually that involved in it, for the most part. I think they're going to play up his role quite a bit, but mm. ultimately I think that he came in, helped conceive the world, and was like, ciao. But he's a good marketing beat, though. He's an extremely good marketing beat. Like I just said it, like, Souls... G.R. Martin, uh, pretty good, pretty good sales pitch right there. I mean, it looks like Souls, except you're in open fields like Twilight Princess. That's pretty cool, too. I like that idea. Anyway, like, not a lot to say about Elden Ring so far. I, I'm going to guess, uh, I'm going to guess that we're going to get a lot more information really soon, possibly on IGN.com. Perhaps you should pay attention to IGN.com. <laughs> For more information about Elden Ring. What's that URL again? IGN.com. All right. More things that were shown during E3. Screw Elden Ring. We got the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters, Nadia. Yes, Final Fantasy 1 through 6 is finally getting remastered on Steam and Mobile. Yeah. um, Okay, two things. Number one. That was hilarious, that trailer, the fact that we got 20 minutes of Guardians of the Galaxy, which looks okay to me. I don't want to, to like, slander Guardians of the Galaxy. It looks funny. It looks fun. It looks like Guardians. What more do you want? But that was 20 minutes of that. Then we're like, you know, oh, boy, finally, we're at the fireworks factory. And that was 20 seconds of the a collection that everyone's been – not even a collection. They're individual games. But just, like, games that people have wanted for so long. And then 20 more minutes of Marvel. And if that's not like Square Enix's insecurity right there demonstrated, I don't know what is. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy looked interesting for a hot second, and then it just kept going. Kept on going, didn't it? Like when I when that demo went on for twenty minutes, I was like, uh, you know what? This is probably not going to be a very good presentation because we would have moved on by now if he had something else to show us. Was that seriously twenty minutes? Holy cow, that was so long. I, I measured it; it was twenty minutes. That was a really tough uh, presentation for Square Enix, I think, because Babylon's Fall and uh, the game we'll get to in a second, Stranger in Paradise, just did not look good. No. Um, see, I'm not a humongous, humongous Platinum fan, so I wasn't really disappointed one way or the other in Babylon's Fall, but I did see a lot of people saying, uh, that looks like poop. Yeah, I, I it looks really bad. I'm Platinum, for the most part, ha- hasn't been having the best of times in many ways over the years. Um, I mean, Bayonetta 3 has been in development for, what, four years at this point? We have not heard hide nor hair of Bayonetta. Yeah. It's wild, yeah. So, but when it comes to the Final Fantasy uh, Pixel Remasters, uh, you know that meme from Attack of the Clones that's been going around a lot lately? <laughs> yes. Yes, I know the one. It's going to be coming out on Switch, right? Yeah. It's coming Silence. out on Switch, right? <laughs> My hope beyond hope, and this is me being stupid probably, is that Nintendo will show us the trailer and more of the game on Switch because maybe Nintendo understands that, hey, this is something that the West actually wants. So that's just me holding on to hope, though. We'd probably get what we get, unfortunately. Surely it would be just completely wild for it not to show up on Nintendo Switch. I love the idea so very much of Square Enix taking the hated, hated Final Fantasy mobile ports, making them better, and putting them back on mobile. (laughs) Fooled you. That's the most Square Enix-ass thing ever. Yeah, it's definitely coming out on Switch eventually. 
yeah yeah i i know that it will come out on switch and like i said we might hear that on tuesday but i highly highly doubt that it really is only mobile forever and ever and then steam of course it would just be the dumbest thing ever for this thing to not come out on consoles it really would but uh sometimes square Enix does dumb things i have to admit putting going beyond that though i mean there's a lot to be excited about the uh final fantasy one through six remaster so first of all uh, it sounds like these are going to be the definitive editions, uh, mm-hmm. the best possible versions for Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. And for Final Fantasy uh, 3 in particular, that's great because the English version uh, has only ever been released in that kind of uh, 3D version that we've seen over the years. So it'll be really nice to have kind of the Famicom look going for it. Yeah. And actually, this is something that just returned to my memory uh, not that long ago, Square Enix updated the mobile 3D port of Final Fantasy IV and called it like Final Fantasy IV 3D. Mm-hmm. And I think that was their first indication that Square Enix had something up their sleeve. So, yeah, given how... Here's the thing with that trailer. I really wish they'd shown a couple of screenshots other than the little tiny ones that zoomed by. Like, hey, what did I just see? Because if you look at... Well, people have singled them out and zoomed them and you know zoomed them in and they, they look good. They look quite like they're the style of uh for example final fantasy 4 on the psp which i think is still a great style so having all of this treatment done to final fantasy 1 through 6 i think that's great and as you said it's especially great for 3 which to this day has in the west has not had any sort of a uh, 2d english release so that's a really big deal same going on with let's face it uh, 5 and 6 don't really have good looking ports for the West yet, so um, I'm glad we're getting those as well. Yeah, the Super NES version is probably the best one out of the bunch, right? The SNES version for Final Fantasy VI is definitely the best one, barring that translation, which, in all respect to Ted Woolsey, does have its problems that he will admit himself. So I am down with the idea of a more complete translation going along with a, a, game, a version of the game that's actually good to look at and maintains the soundtrack that you couldn't get on Final Fantasy VI Advance. What I'm curious is, what version of Final Fantasy One and Two are we going to get? Is it going to be kind of more like Dawn of Souls, that kind of thing? More like the one that was released on PlayStation 1? Like, What's it going to look like? How, how easy is it going to be? Will we be able yeah. to have multiple versions? I'm curious. I am very curious myself. I was kind of hoping that, number one, this would be a collection, not individually released games. And number two, we would get more than one version of each game, like, Hey, here's a uh, Final Fantasy One Dawn of Souls version. Here's Final Fantasy One PSP version. Because uh, I'm guessing the PSP version is the one we're going to get for Final Fantasy One through Three. It would be nice if Final Fantasy Four was also the PSP version and not, I don't know, the original SNES version or whatever. I think it will be the PSP version. Just going by the style that they're using, I do get the impression that they are using the PSP graphics, which is good. It sounds like well. The good news is that it sounds like they will definitely be much more than your just basic ports. Yeah, which is good. And for something like 6, I think that's what they have to do because whereas, yes, 4 does have the PSP game, I don't think 5 has a PSP version. And I do know for sure that 6 does not have a PSP version, so they have to be doing those from scratch. They're not just tossing uh, some ROMs on a cart and saying, well, have at it. Yeah, basically, which is the one thing I was fearing most. It's like, oh, you want to play Final Fantasy NES again? No? Well, here you go. It's not even that bad a thing for them to be on mobile because, I don't know, uh, I I could play it on my iPad, whatever. I I could too. It's more the principle of the thing. I want to put it on my Switch and I want to play it on my Switch because the Switch is so accessible and so easy. Yep, so Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters. We got it for like 20 seconds. But hey, a good reason to get hyped. We're, we've been waiting for Final Fantasy 1 through 6 to be as available as the rest of the series for quite a while now. And so to potentially be able to have all of the Final Fantasies basically on one platform is great. Yeah, like I can't complain about that, especially from a game preservation standpoint. I do hope we get uh, a hard copy of this, especially like if they release it as a, they do actually release it as a, a hard copy collection. That would be pretty cool. Oh God, you have to assume that either Square or even Limited Run Games would put something out, right? I would hope so, because that would be an instant buy for me. I would buy the hell out of that if it were a super-duper collector's edition. Yeah, absolutely. All right. 
also announced, this was leaked a while ago, but it was finally shown, uh, Final Fantasy Origin, I believe, Stranger in Paradise. Oh boy. Um, hmm. <laughs> yes, uh, we are indeed here to kill chaos, so uh, let's talk about it. Um, here's something that's going around Twitter right this hot second. People are saying this is a Final Fantasy, um, I forget the name of the genre, where somebody is taken from the real world and put into a fantasy world. I guess I kiss I something like that. Mm-hmm. And I totally believe that. And at first I thought, are you all crazy? But no, the more information that comes out, because there are like drips and drabs coming out, the more I realize, okay, yeah, this is definitely that. Because the characters name something like John and something really basic and their, their clothes are all modern world stuff and uh, they're there to kill chaos. And 10 to 1, the, the Eminem looking guy has a dead wife or something that he wants revenge on. I don't know. It just looks like one of those games. Are we here to kill chaos? We're definitely here to kill chaos. And I mean, just checking. I didn't hate the in game dialogue. I kind of got the impression it's not taking itself too seriously, but I think people are interpreting dif- differently from myself. I am definitely seeing a lot of mixed reactions to this trailer. I am willing to give it more of a chance. I was really kind of hoping that if we did get a Final Fantasy Souls, this because I think that's what they're trying to do with this, it would get something more colorful. There are people out there saying, hey, it would be great if we could have this with uh, Amano's style of art. Like, I think that would be really cool. But no, we're getting a very, um, very dark, very dark Nomura style without the fun that Nomura usually includes in his stuff. Well, we'll be able to see Stranger of Paradise for ourselves because it is now available as a demo, Nadia. Oh, right now? Yes, it literally just came out. Okay, because, yeah, I did not even, at the time of this recording, I had no idea it was out of the demo. Um, hmm, well, if I don't try it right away, I'm sure a lot of people will. Let me know what they think. I'll give it a shot, but I have other Final Fantasy games to play right now, Nadia. Final Fantasy fourteen? No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes. Yes, I am playing Final Fantasy fourteen. I mean. What are you playing right now? Intergrade oh right i keep saying okay i gotta get i gotta download that and i gotta play it because i just downloaded ratchet and clank and i need to get started on that as well how is it uh well we'll talk about it in a little bit we got a lot of e3 stuff to get through oh let's do it now okay I just... i'm not being organic here <laughs> gotta be organic, we gotta guys. do a little tease you know that's, that's so true. that people will stick with the podcast all the way through right well after they're done crying with us over the square enix presentation sure okay so Stranger of Paradise. Uh, people were kind of making it sound like it would have a kind of a Final Fantasy One vibe, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, going, okay, that could be okay. You know, Warrior of Light, Crystal stuff, fighting Behemoth. I I would be into that. And instead, it's like I don't know, Eminem fighting Behemoth. Why? <laughs> it's definitely there is some references to Final Fantasy in there with uh, Chaos and Garland and. What? You're saying that chaos is in this game? Yeah, can you believe that? Can you believe chaos is in the game? Like, holy crap, I did not see that coming. Who's he going to go fight and kill again? Uh, Garland. As chaos. By the way, the Stranger of Paradise demo is corrupted. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Is it crashing and just more blowing the up? The downlight play- files are corrupted. That's amazing. Oh my god, that's just like a capper to one of Square Enix's best presentations ever. And Nival is tweeting, chaos! <laughs> chaos, damn it. All caps amazing so it's not off to a great start hopefully square Enix can kind of turn this around my again hope beyond hope is that we will get our more japanese side of stuff whenever sony has its next presentation coming out i am doubtful that will be the case nadia uh really you're trampling on my hope here i think we saw everything that square enix is going to be showing for the moment Mm, that's too bad we might oh, well. get a full-on Final Fantasy 16 showcase. Who knows? That's true. I could see them really putting a, like an individual, like dedicating a whole thing to that, the way they do with 14 these days. And I think we l- will learn more about the Pixel remake. So, eh, who knows? Can I just go on a very brief rant? Sure. Vintage Cat Bailey rant right here. Would it kill Square Enix to have a less generic art style for its 3D Final Fantasy games. Why do all of the freaking Final Fantasy characters in these newer games, like Stranger of Paradise and Final Fantasy 16, like, look so freaking boring? They look like generic NPCs. They don't have interesting armor. Like, 
the the hero of Stranger of Paradise looks like a combination of Eminem and the hero from DMC Devil May Cry, the one that um uh was made by the Western Studio. I mean, oh, that come guy. on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, 16 looks a lot better than this to me, just saying. I I think so too. It's like Intergrade looked I mean, if you just compare Final Fantasy VII Remake, like the art style there and how, I mean, say what you want about Nomura, but like that game is effervescent. Mm -hmm. It's great. It stands out. Like, why do we have these generic looking characters who look like they just stepped out of an Xbox 360 game circa 2008? Yeah, that's the thing that's worrying me a bit. The fact that, I mean, Nomura has his flaws, God knows, but I always love the fact that he puts a lot of fun into his, his dumb character designs. And he's... These aren't dumb in a fun way. They're just boring. I guess it's a little bit of a letdown. As for uh, Team Ninja, okay. Um, Neo is a good game. Um, and there is a certain segment of Souls fans who are super into it and everything. But I would never say that those games are like a super looker, as it were, compared to a lot of the games. So I wasn't really pre preparing for these games to look amazing. But uh, yeah, hmm. <laughs> The thing with Neo as well is I was never a Neo fan, never played much of it, but at least yeah. you, you, again, you had a little bit of sense of fun with them. Like the guy who tells time with his cat, he pulls his cat out of his jacket and looks at his eyes to tell the time. And I, I just want Final Fantasy Origins to have fun like that. I don't know if it will or not. I mean, Stranger of Paradise may turn out to be good, but it also seems to be following in the grand tradition of like games like Final Fantasy Explorers which if I recall right. correctly was basically just it's monster hunter, but in final fantasy world, I guess. That's kind of what worries me as well is that square Enix had an easy win with final fantasy monster hunter and they blew that really badly. So I just don't have confidence that they won't blow final fantasy Neo slash dark souls. We'll see. I mean, team ninja is not a bad developer, so it could end up being good. It's just, you know, jankiness doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. <laughs> no, but if the demo actually works, that'd be a good start. It would be a good start, wouldn't it? it really anyway, would. my favorite Final Fantasy uh, origin Stranger of Paradise meme is showing the main character standing next to somebody wearing somewhat fancy armor. And it's like, when you start a game of uh, an, a new MMO. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny because it's true. Uh, one game that did look really amazing is Aiden Chronicle, Nadia. Mm, it yes. looks fantastic. Just everything that we possibly wanted from that game. I had, like, I, that was a real surprise to see it come up on the Microsoft press conference of all places, but I'm so glad it did, because at least it made this day worth getting out of bed for. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, delayed to 2023, sadly. Oh, was it 2023? I thought 2022. So there's a spinoff called Aiden Chronicle Rising. Mm. don't know a lot about it, but that is the one that is coming out in 2022. It's a little disappointing, but I'm not surprised, really. And uh, frankly, as as they always say, or at least as Miyamoto always says, better delayed than bad. So Aiden Chronicle Rising is an action RPG set in the same world as Aiden Chronicle, featuring town-building mechanics, fast-paced combat, and important backstory for several of the Aiden 100 Heroes cast of characters. That sounds pretty cool. I'm down for that, especially as something to whet your appetite. But it's like a 2.5D platformer or something like that. Oh, it looked okay to me, what I saw. Did they show like anything of Aiden Chronicle Rising? Uh, they showed like a, a brief snippet of footage, I think, but they did show something. Yeah, like I'm just, I'm literally looking at the uh, Steam page right now. I mean, I prefer the, I prefer the other style for the most part, mm -hmm. um, the RPG style. Man, they really went full Octopath with this, uh, with this look and style of the game, didn't they? They did, but it looks so good. Like the it it looks like Octopath, but at the same time it looks like Suikoden. That's so cool. The actual characters like really seem to be in the grand tradition of the animation um that we like expect from these games. I love that we have the archer standing on the cliffside, uh shooting yes. down on enemies. And I just love that we have the isometric point of view for the battle system and the way that right. the camera moves is peak Suikoden. Oh, it's 100% peak Suikoden. It's absolutely perfect. And yeah, I love the fact that the archer was off in the distance. I wonder if that factors into gameplay at all. So Aiden Chronicle Rising looks pretty good, like mm -hmm. just briefly in motion. So I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to both games now.
So it's like a platformer or something like that. Yeah, platformer, action, RPG, slashy hacky. Yeah, slashy hacky? Slashy hacky. I think Hayden Chronicle is probably one of my most anticipated games. I just wish I didn't have to wait two years to play it. Yeah, that's a bit of a bummer, but uh, gotta do what you gotta do. That's that's Kickstarter funding for you, unfortunately. That's the downside of it. You know what other game I'm like super in on? Mm-hmm. Metal Slug Tactics, baby. That that was a bit of a surprise, too, to have that come out of nowhere. What an interesting uh, combination of genres, but it's so perfect. Yes, give me all of the combinations of genres. Unlikely combos. It's great. And of course, it's all like sprite-based graphics, which of course it has to be. Yeah, it looks like a Metal Slug game. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. I hope it has yeah. RPG elements, like that they turn it more into a tactics RPG. That'd be great. Yeah, that's what, uh, is it not a tactics RPG? That's the impression I got. It could be wrong. We though. don't really know much about it, honestly. Right. It could be more like Advance Wars. Right, that's true. That's not very RPG-ish. Yeah, so I guess we'll see. But Metal Slug Tactics, uh, it's practically my game of the show so far. <laughs> so far, yeah. Um, then again, I guess a lot of people have been asking for uh, a new Tactics Advance, so... If that's what it is, then that's pretty good, too, I guess. Okay, continuing right along, Nadia, we got a good look at Starfield, as I already mentioned. It was leaked mm-hmm. right before the conference by the Washington Post, LOL. Sorry, launcher. <laughs> I got a bunch of friends over there. I feel bad for them. But it seemed like Microsoft really wanted to do to lead with it. We've got Bethesda. We've got Bethesda. Yes. <laughs> Which wasn't the worst thing for them to do, frankly. No, I actually think the Xbox conference was really strong. I think it was definitely, like, so far, one of the strongest of the show. Yeah, I don't, I can't think of any other conference that was, like, stronger, with the possible exception of, like, um, uh, what was it, not Gorilla Collective, uh, maybe it was Gorilla Collective, whatever follows straight on from the Summer Game Showcase that was more indie-focused. Oh, right, I don't think I watched that one, though. Yeah, it was really good. There were a ton of, like, really fantastic-looking indie games that were shown in that particular showcase so that's good yeah um summer games fest like typical as is typical kind of dragged did you see the starfield promo nadia and did you have any particular thoughts on it i did see the starfield promo it reminded me a little bit of outer wilds for some reason like the real ramshackle space travel thing i noticed that there was a helmet that had a big crack on it and said do not use which (laughs) I think sets the tone for this whole game already. Outer Worlds or Outer Wilds? Wilds. Okay, so specifically Outer Wilds. Yes, like I said, just the ramshackle sort of space development going on. They did say that it was going to be in-engine. Like, what they were showing was in-engine. Which, if that's the case, this looks like a substantial step up from Fallout. Uh, we didn't really get much in the way of gameplay, though. I know that it is all in-engine, all all in engine, so that's good. It's just a teaser. Um there was at least one interview regarding Starfield. It sounds like you'll basically be Han Solo. Nah, sure. Why the hell not? Uh, space rogue. Do you have to be a human, though? Can you be like some sort of like horrible space eldritch monster? Skyrim in space and a Han Solo simulator, says Bethesda. Skyrim in space. Okay, the thing about that is when I think of Skyrim, I think of a whole big world I can actually set foot on. Mm-hmm. Space is a lot of space. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess maybe they mean you'll get to explore like different planets and stuff and explore those. Todd Howard said that Bethesda has wanted to make a straight science fiction game for some time, but hasn't previously been able to match its vision with available technology. We've known for a while that it went, that if and when we do something else, it would be sci-fi. The team wanted to truly invent its own universe, so created a timeline that detailed around 300 years of fictional scientific progress to chart how mankind would treat would reach Starfield's future. Bethesda Managing Director Ashley Chang said, For me, Starfield is a Han Solo simulator. Get in a ship, explore the galaxy, do fun stuff. And you will have a robot pal. The robot in the trailer is called Vasco, after explorer Vasco da Gama. Oh, that's kind of cool. I actually noticed in the trailer there was also a, a sandwich, and I don't know if that's a reference to the infamous corned beef sandwich that nearly grounded that one flight. I can't remember who it was. They took a sand- they took a corned beef sandwich into space and they weren't supposed to and it got loose, for lack of a better term, and really screwed things up really badly. Protect the queen. Which one's the queen? <laughs> I'm the queen. No, you're not. Look out. It's the- <laughs> They're ruffled. 
<laughs> I wonder if that was a, like, I know The Simpsons today was probably a reference to that, but uh, I wonder if The Sandwich was a reference to that. I hope so. That's one of my favorite pieces of space history. Of all of, all of the, that just goes to show how fragile space travel is. You can't bring a sandwich into space, you'll all die. Howard says the game will tackle big questions while bringing up ideas of how space and time originated, whether mankind is alone in the universe, and what role religion has around that thinking. Now that's a lot of ground to cover, all right, and I hope that they can do it all justice. They probably mm-hmm. can. But yeah, I'm looking forward to Starfield. I'm not really as big into sci-fi as I am into fantasy, but I think this is all we're getting for a while in terms of big open-world Bethesda sort of Skyrim-level adventure, because... Lord knows, I don't think we're getting Elder Rings, uh, Elder Rings, Elder Scrolls Six anytime soon. So I got to make do with what I can get. Yeah, I mean, Elder Scrolls Six is way off. Obviously, yeah. it's funny because uh, during the Xbox conference, a game called Redfall was shown, which actually looks really good. It's an open world uh, shoot 'em up, uh, four player co op, and oh, there was a rumor going around a couple of years ago that the Elder Scrolls Six would be called Redfall because Redfall came up in a action or sorry in an adventure game called red guard right like years ago in like 1998 and wow. so people are going this is it Redfall." <laughs> well here, here's uh red if there's a land somewhere in tamriel that's neon lit and has teenagers quipping to each other endlessly yeah there you go enjoy i will say that i'm super hyped for starfield because i like flying around in a spaceship and say what you want about Bethesda, but they make compelling open world experiences. And I think they have the money and the resources and they've updated their engine. I think that whatever they produce is going to be a pretty memorable experience. If nothing else, I'm looking forward to seeing their updated engine after so many years of whatever the hell they've been using to make Skyrim and everything else. It looks like a, it is a major, major update to the engine, and God knows, long, long, long awaited, right? Oh, absolutely. It was uh, way, way overdue. So it, it will be kind of sad to say goodbye to things like flying into the air when a giant hits you with your club, but it's, it's time to move on, I suppose. Beyond Starfield, I, I think there was a fair amount of good news for RPG fans at the Xbox Showcase They include Outer Worlds 2 being announced, and I am personally very excited about Outer Worlds 2. I feel like we kind of gave it short shrift on this podcast for the most part, Um, and some of it is just that it was a fine RPG, but it didn't break a ton of new ground, and it felt a little bit low budget. I'm kind of hopeful that now that uh, Obsidian is owned by Xbox, that it will have a much larger team. And that uh, they'll be able to use the existing technology to be able to really expand the scope of this game. Yeah, I never played the original Outer Worlds, but I think that you're onto something when you say this will be this will really be an opportunity to improve upon what the first game set down, which by all rights and by all reports was not bad in the least. Just as you said, it was kind of a little low budget, a little bit understaffed, and now that they got those, you know big Microsoft bucks behind them. I think they can take what they've learned, what they already know, and actually make something really, really good out of it. Uh, Gotta love that uh, cheeky little fourth wall breaking trailer, that's for sure. I feel kind of bad for Obsidian because now that Bethesda is under the same roof as Microsoft, (laughs) so now it's like, we've got all the worlds too. Bethesda's like, that's nice, we have Starfield. And yeah. Obsidian's like, we've got a vowed. And Bethesda's like, that's nice. We have the Elder Scrolls Six. And Obsidian's <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, I think one is still going to be bigger than the other, unfortunately, for Obsidian. But maybe Obsidian could really make establish its own tone and its own characters and its own world and come out looking uh, all the better for it. I was talking about this with some other friends in the industry. I think that Microsoft is trying to establish a cadence where they have a super major first-person open-world RPG every single year because the appetite for these games just seems insatiable. It does, but once a year is a lot of, is a lot of open-world RPG. I mean, people just never get sick of RPGs. More RPGs all the time. We are in an RPG renaissance, Nadia. That is true, but even I don't have uh, all the time in the world for one open-world RPG a year by Microsoft alone. It kind of blows my mind how 10 years ago it felt like everybody was abandoning RPGs. Now everybody wants to be an RPG. 
everybody wants to be cool. I know. I mean, I don't blame them. We're the cool kids now, Nadia. <laughs> God, whoever knew that day would come. Right? Yeah. But like, just think about it. I mean, you get Avowed whenever Avowed comes out. You get Outer Worlds 2. You, and then you get Starfield. You get The Elder Scrolls 6. You've got whatever the developers of Wasteland 3 are working on. You get Babel. And it's just like a nice cadence. Just going boom, 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 boom. You never get tired I, of RPGs on the uh, Xbox. I was actually hoping to hear a little bit more about Fable. This, yeah. uh, this show. It's it's far off. Like It'll be mm. quite a while before that game comes out. Yeah, last time. Was it last year we got that teaser? Yeah. yeah I mean, so... Fable is 2022 at the absolute earliest. I think 20... I think... I think fall 2023 is much more likely. Yeah, I think so as well. So uh, buckle up. I guess we will need those uh, open world RPGs sooner or later after all. We got a release date uh, for Diablo 2 Resurrected, Nadia. Yes. It will be out on September 23rd. Um, I already talked about how I played the technical alpha and was really impressed by it. Yeah, I forgot we saw that, but uh, that's looking pretty good. I'm looking forward to that. I talked about also in my Blizzard report a little while ago how... Uh, the Diablo 2 Resurrected was supposed to come out, I believe, in 2020, maybe not long right. after Warcraft 3 Reforged, but Warcraft 3 Reforged was so bad that Blizzard basically went and re <laughs> rebooted it. Blizzard went ahead and did a UE, just stopped, hit the brakes, and said, okay, you know what? We have one chance, I think one one last chance at goodwill, so we really got to get this right. They were like, hell nah. <laughs> even they're smart enough to realize okay we can't push it too far getting back to xbox really quickly if you are an rpg fan and you have game pass it seems like a lot of microsoft's acquisitions are starting to bear fruit uh we're getting a ton of bethesda games on game pass including fallout fallout 2 and Fallout tactics and also set yakuza like a dragon it's going to be on game pass and that it was pretty much the best rpg to come out last year so you should absolutely play it Hades too. Hades is coming as well. Yeah, great times if you're a Game Pass owner. I think so, and I think the game. Uh, I think Game Pass is a really good investment if you actually are into RPGs because these are just so many. There are so many RPGs that come out, like we were just saying. You don't have time to go through them all. Some of them have to fall by the wayside, and then oh, here it is on Game Pass. I just pick it up whenever and, and play at my own pace. That's pretty. That's a pretty good deal. So I was reading recently about how prices are going up like crazy for things like Airbnb and Uber and all of that, mm -hmm. how uh, these services were basically subsidized by billionaires for quite a while because they wanted to get a lot of people in the door. And now they're like, no, no, we're actually charging you for the amount of money that this thing is uh, costing because we need to actually get to profitability. Yeah. I wonder how long it is before Game Pass does that. That is a good question. You're looking at something that is owned by Microsoft, which of course is... Um, if anyone's not hurting for money, it's Microsoft. But uh, that's a good point. I, I never thought of it that way. I mean, they're just throwing so much money at developers right now because they want this thing to be enormous, right? Mm -hmm. And they're blowing the doors off Sony. I'm sorry. They've got such a huge head start. Like, I think it's money well spent, but surely this can't last forever. No, I, I do wonder that. And don't call me Shirley. I do wonder about that. I, I don't know the I don't understand the minds of people with billions and billions of dollars and the people who invest in them, so I can't say for sure. Okay, Nadia, let's see what our community had to say about E3 2021. By the way, if you haven't been following it over on our Discord, we've been uh, doing community streams of all of the different E3 streams, and people have been uh, hanging out, chatting with them. So uh, come on over to E3 Chatter and the E3 watch party over on the Blood God Discord, and uh, watch the show. The salt flows freely. Skit Mask DTG says, Game Pass's RPG library continues to get better and better. Hopefully Outer Worlds 2 has a better budget, makes some bolder statements with its story. The gameplay systems from the first one are a solid foundation. Really wish we had seen anything about Avowed. Guardians of the Galaxy seems to be a promising RPG-adjacent thing. A couple of things that jumped out at me was the post-encounter XP breakdown that they quickly cut away from. Could be mm. more character development systems. And the dialogue choices resulting in Telltale style. Rocket will remember that pop-ups. <laughs> that was pretty funny when he threw Rocket after he got a laugh out of that. Looks like a combination of Mass Effect, Final Fantasy XV, and Devil May Cry. Uh, well, for what it's worth, like we were all complaining about 
the Guardians of the Galaxy demo being way too long, but mm -hmm. everybody I know who saw it said that it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, it was mostly the the length that I was kind of salty about. And again, I don't hold that against the game because it's not the game's fault. The fact that they actually had gameplay to show us is, okay, that's a nice change of pace for E3. Uh, it was just a matter of, well, it went on for 20 minutes. But again, that's Square Enix's fault for not really having anything else to show us. Anthrax B says, Elden Ring was a good early showing, but I'm still waiting to be surprised, which I expect Nintendo to do. Wasn't expecting the Microsoft conference to be more interesting than the Square Enix one. It's true, the Xbox uh, conference really blew the doors off uh, off of Square Enix, didn't it? Oh yeah, there was no contest there. I mean, thinking about it, there are certainly years when Square Enix disappointed the hell out of us, and so it happens on occasion, if not more often than not. What are you going to do, I suppose? Just uh, got to pick up the pieces and move on with life. Criminal Justice says, okay, so I've said it in other rooms, and it's my big takeaway comparing rumors to reality. Final Fantasy Origins doesn't look Souls-like enough to qualify what the rumor stated. The monsters didn't get interrupted. Animation priority and other details didn't seem to matter. Is it enough mm -hmm. of a Souls-like to count? The Neo team blurred that love before, and we still consider it a distant but recognizable cousin. Does this take look at first glance like they are in the same family? I don't know. It looks like a bad Final Fantasy game is what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, what else matters, really? But no, actually hearing what people have said about people who know more about Souls versus Nio than I do have said is definitely more on the Nio side. When we were watching the stream together as IGN, my boss said, boy, I sure hope that they managed to beat Chaos. <laughs> I'll be on the edge of my seat till they do. <laughs> well, so far they're not beating Chaos at their own demo, so they got a problem. Uh, I, I'm sorry for mispronouncing this, but uh, Charles Salave, uh, uh, real apologies for not saying this properly. Uh, their mailbag question is, are you still bummed out that there wasn't an on-location E3 now that you've seen what's being announced? Um, yeah, I've actually been a little bummed about there not being an on-location E3 because... I was really, it would be really fun to get together with all of the IGN folks and everything. And so, okay. The fun thing about E3 as somebody in the games industry is that you show up in LA and everybody is there from mm -hmm. around the world. So you're connecting with all of these people, game developers, game journalists, influencers, you name it. Right. And there's just so much, many opportunities to network and connect and learn about all the things that are happening. There's a palpable excitement that is happening when all of this is going on. And then of course there's the pomp and the circumstance and then your friend, like the actual demos don't do all that much, but it's a cool opportunity to be able to interview developers, grab interesting news nuggets, publish news as fast as humanly possible. And by the end, you're just completely worn out, but it is ultimately a really rewarding week. And I'm really looking forward to being able to actually get on the show floor. Of course, RPGs don't demo extremely well in no, these circumstances. Really. I would like to be able to play Elden Ring. That would be really fun, but I, I guess we'll see. Um, mostly, I think it would be really nice to be able to have a good conversation with, say, Miyazaki. Like, have a good sit-down, face-to-face interview with him, for example. So, I have not been to an E3 since 2011. Like, I was supposed mm. to go to the E3 that was canceled because of the plague, and... I didn't. And I don't know if I'll get to E3 again because I'm not really part of the games press anymore. I'm mostly independent doing, of course, Blood God. I'm doing other things behind the scenes, but not really stuff that would take me to E3. I certainly hope to go back to PAX. Like I do miss the being on the floor of shows and I'm looking forward to getting back to that. But um, E3 itself is just going to be next. This year is probably going to be the same as next year for me, unless something major changes. I don't know. Yeah, I agreed to let you go to E3 last year, and the world promptly ended. Yeah, thanks, Kat. <laughs> it was all my fault. <laughs> Look what you've done. I think E3 has definitely declined since, say, E3 2018, where mm. you just had these absurd conferences. Like, Sony leaving definitely put a major yeah. dent into E3, I think. That Nintendo pulling out as well, like doing the direct thing, yeah. which they can do on their own schedule. I mean, and they Nintendo do. was still there. They had a huge boost. That's true. You know what? I think now that thinking about it, uh, that E3, oh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of PAX, because the PAX that happened just before the world ended, I think that was the only spot of happiness in that whole show, because they had that really gorgeous Animal Crossing display mm. that everyone adored. And yeah, and that's right. And that was still a very grim time, because 
we still thought things were going to be okay, maybe, and they weren't because I think we we're all in trouble when we got like notice after notice about Japanese developers pulling out of the show. We're like, oh, I think we might be in this for the long haul. I we all thought it was like, oh, but it'll be over by June. Everything will be fine. It seemed to it seemed impossible to imagine that E three would be canceled, and then it was canceled. Everything is not fine, readers. Everything was not fine. Yeah. So final thoughts on E3 2021, or at least so far. Nadia, who do you think were the winners and losers of this particular showcase? I want to say Square Enix is an easy loser, not mm. counting Gearbox. I didn't watch Gearbox, but I've heard stories. But again, I can only blame myself for the fact they had right up front and center, hey, this is what we're showing. And I, I'm like, well, where's Final Fantasy 16? Maybe that's on me. I don't know. Of course, at the time of this recording, Nintendo hasn't shown anything yet. So I would say right now, I'd say, honestly, Microsoft is probably the the winner. Yeah, I think Elden Rings is a big winner of this. Yeah. I would say it's probably the most impressive thing that was shown. I mean, we haven't seen gameplay yet, so we're all going based on like a hype trailer and some interviews, right? But it was one heck of a hype trailer, so I'm looking forward to that. It was It was pretty much how you do hype trailers, I have to admit. And I mean, Starfield, we got a solid update on that so we can be excited about that it was disappointing that we did not see avowed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, definitely yeah i disappointed we didn't see avowed a little disappointed in fable but uh hey we saw Uden chronicles we saw a, mm. a cool trailer of that we realized or we learned that there's a new project involving Uden chronicles coming out so that's that's pretty cool i'm, I'm really happy to know that and Xbox Game Pass is a big winner, too, I think. Uh, yeah, Xbox Game Pass is a huge winner. And I know that Microsoft right now is still kind of behind the PlayStation, but I wonder if things will pick up steam sooner than later. And, of course, I think the biggest loser by far is definitely FF Origin Stranger of Paradise, which just <laughs> instantaneously became a meme. It became a meme. I don't think the trailer was done before it became a meme. <laughs> That's how bad it was. It was really bad. I am hopeful that it ends up being better than it looked, but it's not off to a great start. It kind of says something about the Square Enix presentation that the thing I'm most excited at about out of that whole thing was Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, Nadia, before we wrap up, hopes and dreams for Nintendo, which as of the release of this podcast will be on Tuesday. What do you think? Well, really hoping that we get Breath of the Wild. This is a more Breath of the Wild focused one, the way that I can't remember what E3 it was where we got like a major influx of Breath of the Wild, the original, um, on Switch. And that was a really fun, that was a really fun E3 because I remember I think that was the first major one I covered for US Gamer. So I'm hoping we get something similar with Breath of the Wild 2 this year. Uh, failing that, I don't know. I think Nintendo still has enough cool stuff up its sleeve to give us uh, uh, enough stuff to get excited about. They don't have much competition this year, to be honest. So it, they'd really have to screw it up that to make us... Uh, to make us really mad at it i think that people will be hopeful for switch pro and i think they'll be disappointed i do not think that switch pro will be shown Mm -hmm. at e uh e3 2021 i expect it to be shown quite a bit later honestly Uh, we'll see um i I expect that we're gonna get a lot of zelda stuff actually i think so it is zelda's 35th anniversary so uh, i would be actually kind of surprised if breath of the wild 2 didn't at least get uh, another teaser I could see Breath of the Wild 2 at the very least getting another teaser and maybe giving us some more information about the, what the game is like about. Mm-hmm. Even if the whole presentation isn't dedicated to it, that's fine. As you said, it is the 35th anniversary. And there's still those rumors about how we're supposed to get uh, re-releases or remakes of uh, not just Skyward Sword, but uh, I think uh, Wind Waker and um, Twilight Princess as well. So probably see that now versus any other time. Really kind of hoping we get an updated version of A Link Between Worlds. I thought that was a really fantastic game. I'd love to play on the Switch. And we're also going to get a bunch of Pokemon, I'm sure. I mean, between right, the Diamond and Pearl remakes and uh, the Pokemon Legends Arceus. So I look forward to that. Yeah. Arceus is actually coming out sooner than later on the video game geological timescale. So yeah, <laughs> I, I could see that. I could see us getting more of that. And where's my Final Fantasy Pixel remaster or whatever for Nintendo Switch? Let's do it, Nintendo. Oh, yeah. If if, if Nintendo wants to make itself more popular than Square, all it has to do is give us a little bit more of a trailer than what we got and then say, it's coming out on Switch. And we'll be like, yay! And it'll also give us a date. We'll be like, yay! We shall see. But in the meantime, that is our E3 2021 recap for now. 
Do you have additional thoughts? Drop them in the mailbag channel over on the Discord. Or send me an email at cat at and we may read your thoughts over on the podcast. Okay, Nadia, there are a bunch of RPGs that just came out, so let's talk about them really quickly. Let's. Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater composer and saxophone player Norihiko Hibino and Etrian Odyssey pianist Ayaki join forces to become Gentle Love, the ultimate video game jazz duo. Their billboard charting album series, Prescription for Sleep, Game Music Lullabies, turns game music into jazzy lullabies to sleep, relax, and study to. And the 11th installment, dedicated to Stardew Valley, co-produced with Concerned Ape, is out now. series includes several compilations, one of which turns battle themes into lullabies and other volumes dedicated to Secret of Mana, Undertale, Celeste, Shovel Knight, and Wizard of Legend. There's even a charity single dedicated to the memory of late Nintendo president Satoru Iwata. Listen on Spotify and Apple Music or download on Bandcamp. Learn more at scarletmoon.com sleep. Now, back to the episode. Okay, Nadia, while all of the E3 craziness has been happening, three major RPGs came out, so let's talk about them really quickly. First thing is first, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate is out on PS5. I have been playing it. It is quite pretty on the PS5. I especially like the high frame rate version. I heard something about the door, the infamous door getting remade or, or fixed or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, everybody was obsessed with doors, weren't they? Yeah, because I don't think a lot of effort went to the doors. I mean, how are the textures this time around? Because I know that they were definitely a weak spot in uh, the original release. Honestly, once I switched over to 1080p, I didn't notice the uh, actual textures as much as I noticed the uh, frame rate, which just feels so smooth now that it's like been kicked up a notch. Yeah, that... The original was really putting the PS4 through its paces. So I am looking forward to playing uh, it on well, with a steady frame rate, really. <laughs> I've been really enjoying playing as Yuffie, by the way. She is so much fun in this one. She's so wildly energetic that it's almost exhausting to keep up with her. <laughs> Basically, she emulates how I feel around most children, just the being old and and stuck up and, and run down. And you have children who are like, yay, let's play. And I'm like, no, stop it. I mean, I love my niece. I, I love my niece. I love my nephews. But by God, I don't want to play right now. I just want to sit down and have my wine. Thank you. It's like she's on a perpetual sugar high. Oh, God. Maybe it's good I didn't have kids because they, they, they require so much energy. And just even, just imagining, oh, my God, what a nightmare. You have a child, which is god's endless energy supply to begin with and then you make her into a ninja why if you want to talk about anything that would talk me out of having kids you just invented it speaking of ninjas there's a bit where you fight don corneo's thugs and they're the song that is backing it which has vocals kind of reminded me of a throaty metal version of go ninja go ninja go <laughs> I want this to be true now. I want this to be the thing that you're actually hearing. Yeah, I was. Um, so it's kind of happening. Her story is kind of happening in tandem with the actual Final Fantasy VII remake story. Right. And it's interesting because the avalanche cell that Yuffie is part of is the main avalanche cell. Because mm -hmm. as we know, um, Barrett and Tifa and all them are in a splinter cell that is like actually quite a bit more radical than the standard yeah. avalanche cell. Yeah, they all got 
I don't know if you'd say kicked out, but they're not very popular with the main cell. So Yuffie catches a glimpse of uh, Tifa and Barrett, who are just getting back after Cloud falls and goes and meets up with Aerith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so you see them kind of at a distance, but it's like an alternate perspective of like events that we are extremely familiar with, and I kind of enjoy it. Reminds me a bit of, you ever see uh, Lion King, not three, but like two and a third, whatever it was called, the one with Timon and Pumbaa? No. It's basically the the same idea with them observing things as uh, Timon and uh, as like as uh, Simba's kind of doing his thing. They're they're in the background giving commentary and whatnot. Uh, I guess another way to put it is like Back to the Future Two, where Michael J. Fox is observing Michael J. Fox from a different angle. Just a little bit like that, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I really enjoy playing as Yuffie. So the way that it works is you throw your ninja star right. And then you can press triangle again and you will fly in and then you can like start hitting them. Um, you can go into your commands while all of this is happening and use some attacks. And also you have um, like a wind attack. You have like various other attacks. And then eventually you add a companion. Sorry, I don't remember his name right now, but he he calls you boss, which you find <laughs> very amusing. I would. And uh, they have a sync up kind of flow attack so once you get a so you can just hit l2 and you two will be attacking at the same time and if both of you have your atb gauge up high enough then you can use a tandem attack on enemies that's pretty cool i like the sound of that uh the thing i like most about integrate so far is yuffie's moogle costume little moogle hoodie i love the moogle costume and i never want to take it off no, I, I'm. I have already have plans to to keep it on. I want to buy one in real life. Oh my god, the Moogle costume is so great. The only good thing to ever come out of Dirge of Cerberus. Did she wear that in Dirge of Cerberus? I completely forgot about that. Yeah, it's def- It's a deliberate callback to Dirge of Cerberus. Oh, Square Enix! Of all the things to call back, at least they made the right one. <laughs> um, I'm not that far into the Ufi DLC. I've heard some things about how it goes. Um, you may recall that I was just frothing at the mouth, mad <laughs> about how Final Fantasy VII Remake ended, and uh, Yuffie DLC apparently is going to take me for a ride. So, so <laughs> we uh, we shall see. I mean, did you really expect Nomura to back down on the crazy? Oh hell no! He's going to double down. He's no, okay. double down like crazy. Just uh, as long as you know. But uh, it's been really nice getting back into Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's just uh, super fun, you know, and it feels like they've taking what they've learned from the uh the the full release and kind of really refined it it moves at mm-hmm. such a a nice pace comparatively speaking and i've just uh just been really digging it you know that's good yeah i need to get started on that as well and i'm not really sure yet if i'm going to replay final fantasy like the whole thing or just do the dlc i don't have time to play the whole thing i've got way too many rpgs to play right now there's that yeah exactly but the i think the dlc sounds like a must try oh oh have you tried port condor i've heard good things about that i have um you don't like it it's okay like i i don't know if i want to spend the effort to really Mm. dig into it but it seems like it's actually quite a deep um gameplay mode so the way that it works is uh, it's almost like i don't know like almost like tower defense or something like that you each side has three towers and you can put down soldiers, little soldiers, and it's kind of a rock, paper, scissors sort of thing. Yeah. And as you beat them, you get these points. And then there's this like turtle guy, right? He's in a turtle costume for some reason. Okay. And you can spend those points to get more like some upgraded versions of soldiers. And you mm-hmm. can take on various characters. Like, do you remember the um, the soldier from Final Fantasy VII Remake who's riding around on the motorcycle that you got to fight? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's like somebody that you fight. Um, from the Fort Condor stuff, so that's pretty fun. That sounds cool. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I don't know if I want to super invest in this mini game because I mostly just want to get through the UFI DLC before I get spoiled. But a <laughs> good point, good point. But it seems pretty fun. Like if you're willing to like really delve into it, I think um, somebody was saying on Twitter that they were completely obsessed with it. Yeah, I have seen a couple people on Twitter say that they're pretty obsessed with it. But uh, I gotta say, after a year, Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake seems to really hold up. And uh, fair play to Square Enix. It's like, uh, 
a big win for Square Enix Japan. We've been dragging them this entire episode, but you know, I, I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is a major bright spot, which mm-hmm. who, who would have ever thought after waiting for so long for this game to come out that it would turn out to be as good or even better than many people imagined. I also think it's a good sign that the UP DLC only took about a year to come out and it's decent mm. versus how long we waited for the, of course, we're not talking about a game experience that's quite as in-depth as the original Final Fantasy VII Remake, but we still got new content, new good content, and I'm not sure how long the Yuffie DLC is. I haven't heard any complaints about it being too short, but the point is we have new content that took about a year. It's good, and who knows? We'll hopefully hear more about Part 2 sooner than later because of that. Early on, you fight against Rama in the uh, the VR kind of thing. Uh, oh, yeah. With Yuffie and her companion, whose name I can't remember right now. <laughs> Dude. Dude. And I... It was just reminding me of how much I like the Final Fantasy VII Remake battle system because it's mm-hmm. just fast enough, fast-paced enough, and just crazy enough to be uh, to kind of keep the energy up. But it also has a tactical feel to it and lets you slow down and consider your moves for a hot second. And it just works really well. And they've made some like appreciable upgrades to it with this DLC. Like, so yeah, fair play to them on that front as well. I think the one thing I don't like very much about Remake is I I really like the mythology behind the summon monsters and the primals in the other Final Fantasy games. And this is more like, hey, you're in a VR and you're beating Bahamut. Okay, good. I don't know. I, I, that feels like a bit of a cop-out to me. Last thing, I'm playing fi- the, the DLC in English. Oh, really? Yeah, it, I played it, it with the Japanese voices when I was playing the review. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. See, I played the English voices right from the start gotta say i think i want to stick with the english voices from now on see i told you english voices are good they're excellent i love yuffie's english actor yeah i can't remember who does her but uh i know she sounds fantastic again so ridiculously energetic i have to say dubs have come a long way oh yes absolutely no question about that and i think that's one reason why i'm just so I i tend to default to english voices these days because of it Okay, Nadia, Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade wasn't the only release. Driftlands is now available on Nintendo Switch, the full version. I went out and bought it. I started playing it. Uh, If you're not familiar with Driftlands, it is a game by Clay Entertainment. And it's a kind of like Slay the Spire in that it's a deck building game. But it has heavy RPG elements, including... So when you go and talk to characters, you use cards to negotiate back and forth. Mm. And you, it's like a battle, except instead of hurting them, you're using cards to break down their core arguments. Yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. I'm actually surprised at how this went completely over my head. I only just recently found out that it came out. Also, you go on like runs. So mm-hmm. it's not like a straight uh, beginning to end kind of game. Like you go on a run and you build up a deck as you go, right? And I'm not entirely sure how it all resolves, but you can play as multiple different characters on different runs. How is it? I actually have a good friend whose husband worked on that. I'm digging it so far. Um, I wasn't into the art style at first. It's very clay entertainment. Um, Extremely, yeah. But I've been coming around on it. It's like pretty solid on Nintendo Switch. And um, it feels like the card battling system is really deep, but I have to dig into it a bit more. But, um, like, people have been really singing this game's praises, so I think it's something that's worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, most definitely, because I know I've been looking forward to it for a long time. That's why I was surprised when I heard, it's out now? What? Really? Yeah. When did that happen? Like, What's well, on Nintendo Switch? Here you go. It's like, okay, well, okay, oh, I better, okay. Uh, better grab it and check it out. Yeah, so I'll be doing that. And finally, finally, this is one for you, Nadia. Fantasy Star Online 2 New Genesis is out. I don't really know much about this game, but it looked like you were actually streaming it with your husband. Yeah, my husband and I have been streaming every Thursday around 8. Uh, that's twitch.tv forward slash Nightworks, N-Y-T-W-O-R-K-S, I can spell. And yeah, we were we were streaming uh, a little bit of PSO2. It's pretty good. It's, very, it's still like a free MMORPG, so you're not going to get anything as in-depth or as incredible as like Final Fantasy XIV or WoW or whatever. But I mean, it's free. You can't go wrong. Still a little disappointed that, you know, we don't really, it's not really more immersed in the Fantasy Star universe than I'd like, but 
eh, it's good. It's fun. Well, it sounds like Fantasy Star Online 2 is going to continue to get plenty of updates and everything. Um, it still has its fans for sure. Like, if there's been one thing that this E3 has kind of taught me, it's that there are a lot of games out there that you're like, wow, that's still going, but it's still going. <laughs> Fantasy Star Online is like the king of, wow, that's still going? Because, mm-hmm. God, it's just... I can't remember when the original came out, 2000 or, or something ridiculous like that. So, yeah, it's um, chugging along. Speaking of, you know, saying, wow, that's still going, just reminded me that Ubisoft also had their press event during this uh, during this E3, and I completely forgot about it. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, Mario vs. Rabbids, too? I wasn't expecting that, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, that's not RPG, really, but it happened, I guess. It, it sure did happen. And what happened at the Ubisoft? Oh, yeah. Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, which is going to be... <sighs> it's just going to be Far Cry, but on Pandora. <laughs> you could not invent a, a more dull sentence than that. It looked pretty. Uh, of course it looked pretty. It's Pandora. Pandora looks so falsely pretty. I can't stand looking at it. There was also the Assassin's Creed Valhalla Siege of Paris DLC. Oh, I think I checked out during that whole thing. I just... Uh... Went to the washroom or something. You know what I'm most excited about, actually, mm-hmm. from Ubisoft? The Rocksmith Plus subscription. That looked pretty good, didn't it? That actually yeah. looked like it would be... I think that was the thing the chat was most excited about as well. I've always wanted to learn guitar, so I'm kind of intrigued by the possibility of being able to try it out. My father plays guitar very well, and he could teach me any time, but eh, I don't know. Guitar was never really my instrument, I suppose. I should go back to clarinet. And on that note... That's it for this week's episode of Act of the Blood God. Thank you to everybody for joining us, and we look forward to being able to talk about Nintendo pretty soon. Hopefully we get lots of really exciting news at that particular showcase. But in the meantime, if you enjoy the podcast, once again, go leave us a review on the podcatcher of your choice and also follow us on all of the social media platforms. I'm on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And of course, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod. We'll be back, as always, next week. And, of course, check out our special episode on Wednesday, Some of the Rings, our two-tower deep dive. But until then, for Nadia and myself, thanks for listening, and happy adventuring. (laughs) 